everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Worry, It's Confidential. Ah, I feel feel different this week. (laughs) I am in bed and it's like 7 p.m. and a Tuesday. So everything's a little bit different. And you may say, it doesn't matter to me. But (laughs) I feel like telling you guys what I'm doing is just part of part of my charm I realized I don't know why I make myself do this on a Monday morning because I'm always much more low energy much more tired I guess that's the same thing twice but much much less emotionally there you know and I'm much more of a night person in reality even though I've tried to train myself over the years to be a morning person I feel like I'm much more social and myself at night so maybe I should switch it up maybe I won't who knows but all I know is that right now I'm doing it this way yeah you may ask why are you switching it up well I'm glad you asked Sally um (laughs) I am going to New York this week how's that connected you may ask Bobby well it's connected because yeah I'm a comedian today guys (laughs) It's connected because I, I guess it's not that connected, but due to scheduling and different things, I decided to record an episode last night and use that episode as my episode of the week, even though I do have another episode that I've recorded just because of order. I wanted to do this one first. So I had to power edit today and do this. And I obviously had to do the editing and stuff before I did the intro. I don't know why I'm telling you guys all this. That's it. Things are switched up because I'm going to New York, which is the exciting part of the story. Yeah, I'm leaving on Thursday and I'm going for 10 days, which is crazy. Going with some university friends. I'm very excited. I'm really going to live out my Serena Vanderwoodson, Carrie Bradshaw um, friends. I guess Rachel would be the character. Phoebe I feel like I'm a Phoebe Rachel combination or like Joey um (laughs) this intro couldn't get more random but yeah I'm leaving for a week or 10 days so that the bad news part of this intro is that that means I am taking a week off I debated it I said should I grind should I still do it but you know what we all deserve a break so that's my message to you to take a break as well And I've decided to not release an episode next week to take one week off for the first time in like three months. So yeah, I hope you miss me. Distance makes the heart grow fonder. Is that the right saying in this time? I don't know. Anyways, this week's episode, I'm so excited for it. It is a little bit deeper, a little bit sadder, but I think it's an important one because I'm sure so many of you are going to relate in some way, shape or form, whether something similar has happened to you or whether you've just even grown up with family and family conflict and family drama and weird positions we're putting put in just being members of families like I I think we can all relate to some stuff that my guest shares today yeah she's very vulnerable very honest in telling her story and I think it's a great example for everybody to share their stories and not feel shame or guilt or weirdness surrounding like having gone through something because it's literally out of your control what happens in your family and these are all experiences that either we've gone through in our direct family or like even in like 
our extended family or even our best friends families like everybody's lives are touched by this in some way and it's an important thing to talk about and destigmatize conversations about this so I hope that you enjoy if this brings out feelings or triggers or sadness reach out to somebody reach out to a friend reach out to a therapist reach out to me I will offer whatever help I can in my dms and I hope that you enjoy it I love you all so much and let's get into the episode This guest is extremely kind. She constantly surprises me with her maturity and wise perspective in some situations and then her youthful chaotic energy in others. We've known each other for 13 years and in those years we've had endless memories laughing in class, on sports fields, and on random other adventures that we've had. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, thanks for having me on. What a nice introduction. So happy to be here, honestly. I feel like I've been following along on all the episodes and it's so exciting that you're doing this and I feel very special to be included in it. Of course, of course you'll be included. Thanks for saying that. Okay, the get to know you questions. Ready? So if you could travel to any era, what would you pick? That is such a hard question because I feel like every single era is like there are such crappy parts, like in so many ways, we're living in the best time because of all the progression that we've made in certain, like with certain social issues and stuff. But also I just feel like vibe wise, mm-hmm. probably, I don't know, anything before 2000, I feel like everything kind of went to crap. <laughs> vibe wise? <laughs> yeah. Vibe wise. I don't know. I feel like like, I'm not going to say I want to be on the streets of the 1800s in Victoria, England, because that just sounds crappy. <laughs> <laughs> but like, sure, would I want to go to a music festival in the 70s? Yeah, definitely. Say that'd be pretty cool. Probably. Okay, 70s. Love that answer. <laughs> really got to know you. Got the, got the vibe. And I agree with everything you said. And I'd probably pick the 70s as well. Okay. If you had to wear one outfit for the rest of your life, what would it be? So picture yourself like you're a character on a TV show. Okay. Like a Simpsons vibe. My ideal outfit that I'd have to wear every single day for the rest of my life as a character would probably be jeans and a t-shirt. Like that's just a very classic combo, probably like really low rise, very skinny. Um, perhaps some distressing, mm-hmm. uh, white tee, some gold jewelry, pair of sneakers, and a blazer of some sort to wear on a cold day. I feel like this outfit is giving me away. Last one. What's your guilty pleasure? I don't have a guilty pleasure. I don't think you should feel guilty about anything. Oh, okay. <laughs> like something that you don't necessarily advertise but it's something that brings you a lot of joy oh okay for example Um, mine would be watching love island honestly like I feel like anime is really cool whoa that came out of left field like no I don't okay honestly maybe I can't say that because I don't actually like any of it but when I was younger I was like obsessed with learning how to draw in like the anime style because I like love the TV shows and I just thought that they look so cool. Love it. That's a great, I don't know if that's guilty, but I love it. It's not guilty. That's what I mean. I guess what you said originally that nothing is guilty is, is the right answer here. Yeah. 
<laughs> if, if you love Love Island. Own it. Own it. I don't yeah. actually love it. It's just kind of mind numbing, kind of past the time, but it feels great at the same time. Things. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into the topic. Today, we're talking about families and the difficulties that we experience and the trauma that we experience just by being part of families. In many cultures, there's like a big sense of privacy when it comes to like family drama, family trauma, and everyone kind of keeps it to themselves. Like there's that saying, like, don't air out dirty laundry and that stuff. And it can lead to like a lot of shame, a lot of privacy and like loneliness when it comes to family stories and things that like a lot of people go through. And so today our guest is being very vulnerable and sharing her family story. And I hope that by hearing it, you can feel inspired to maybe share your own and also maybe get some inspiration about like how to deal with some of the difficulties and learn from her strength and just maybe even relate to some of the things that she's talking about. So thanks for coming on and thanks for, for talking about this. It's a hard one. Of course. I feel like definitely is like a difficult thing to go through, but I know it's not unique and so many people do have to deal with this. So there's anything that I can say to help people out there or just like give people more comfort, you know, even if it's not like an exact reflection of what I went through, I'm happy to share. It's also just like, it's good to talk about this stuff. It's therapeutic. Yeah, exactly. Get it out there. Like don't keep it in. Cause it just feels so much yeah. more intense, but yeah, I mean, I guess a good place to start would just be sharing a little bit about your story so that people get a background on like what you're talking about, what perspective you're coming from. Sure. Okay. So I guess it's, <laughs> it's a very layered story. So without taking up too much time, I guess I'll just kind of get into it. But in December of 2018, I received a text from my mom telling me not to contact my dad, that something had happened and feel like I kind of knew I had a sense of what it was, but I called her anyway. And she said that (laughs) she said that she had just confronted my dad and his girlfriend, who she clearly did not know about earlier that day, about having an affair. Yeah. So it was obviously, you know, a big shock to my mom, myself, my three younger siblings, you know, big family. We've always identified as kind of like family of six, which I always kind of thought was like a unique thing about me. So to know that one of our family members was having an affair, you know, he's not just cheating on my mom, you know, he's being an unfaithful father too. Like he's just being an unfaithful family member kind of. And that, that number of six was going to go down to five was definitely a devastating thing to accept. But yeah, I mean, So like I said, it was definitely like a very surprising thing to hear. However, I feel like leading in the months leading up to that, there were a lot of signs I I just didn't really recognize as like the telltale signs of an affair because you, you know, it's like your dad, you're kind of like, oh, really weird that I don't know the password to his phone. Whereas, you know, I'll pick my mom's up when we're driving type in our destination, put in the directions, like do whatever, call people on her phone, but just never known the password to my dad's phone. Like he was always pretty secretive about it. You know, things between him and my mom weren't that great. (laughs) 
obviously as they would not be for that. And, but things between him and I, and like the rest of my siblings weren't that great either. Actually, in fact, the day that she called me about the affair, I was actually supposed to meet him for lunch that day. And that's why she contacted me first because she basically was just like, don't go see your dad. This is what happened. I mean, you know, go if you want, but like you probably Mm -hmm. won't after learning this. And we were supposed to go get lunch because things just weren't very great between us. So I guess that was kind of like his attempt to mend things. Thank you for sharing. Like that is so vulnerable of you to tell us that and to talk about like something that must've been a really difficult day for you and a really, really difficult phone call. I think it's something that's kind of interesting is like you often think of cheating as like in like the relationship, right? You think about like the two people in the relationship and how that feels towards them. I think that you mentioned there, like he was kind of being disloyal to the family. I think that's a perspective that's often forgotten. So yeah, I would, I would love for you to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. Well, I feel like if, you know, it's not just my mom that he would lie to when he was like going on a business trip or something like that. It was all of us. And like I said, you know, things weren't that great in the house between him and all of us. And it really hurt when to find out that instead of staying at home and putting effort into mending the relationships that so badly needed help, he decided to put his energy into forming this new one. And so in a sense, like he didn't just pick this person over my mom, he picked her over all of us. And that was probably what was the worst part because it's your dad. Like you want to feel <laughs> like a priority. <laughs> of course, of course. And I think no matter how old you are, that's always going to be the truth. And I think that, yeah. that that's why it's so painful. And like, that's why honesty is so valued because once like people start breaking that trust and that honesty, it's like, it's extremely painful. Yeah. And for sure. I mean, even now I've just, you know, learned so many like truths about him and kind of like so many different situations where he said one thing was going on. You find out that that was a complete lie, you know, because my mom is like at this point like a CIA level sleuther so like she was able to like cross-reference every single thing that he said with the truth and that was just really devastating because you realize like how often you were lied to Mm. and yeah it's just not what you would expect from a parent a family member a friend you know anybody who you see yourself as being close to Mm -hmm. how do you think that you dealt with this changing from having a father that you really trusted or seeing him the way that relationship should have been to now switching to something so different. Yeah. I think that where my situation may be unique, I'm not actually sure is that this was like a slow burn. So it's not like, you know, like I said, like you wake up and it's like, bye dad, like, see you later. You know, it's the best dad ever leaving the house. Yeah. You know, like the one that is just like a hundred percent of the time, super happy, super fun. Mm-hmm. And then you find out, oh my God, never mind. He's having an affair. Like everything's over. It was not like he wasn't being the best person that he could be to us. So it wasn't like an extremely difficult transition because 
honestly, the thought of him staying makes less sense than the thought of him and the reality of him now being gone because with the way that things were going, there's just no way that that was sustainable. Like it, it would have had to end in divorce. Like it would have had to end with, you know, all of us just sitting down and being like, dad, you're being a shithead. Like what is going on? Because he was um, withdrawn. He was, you know, he would lash out because I think that he kind of just didn't want to be like at home. You know, he had other things in his mind that he felt like more were more fun whereas at home he had responsibilities you know he had to be a father like he had to do all these things and you know maybe it was just like some fat midlife crisis or whatever but either way it wasn't a super difficult transition because we are very much like even as a family even as a whole including him like everybody is better off with him not living at home like it's healthier for him to not be at home you know he was unhappy we were all certainly unhappy So I kind of can look at it now thinking, okay, great. This is how it should be. But definitely back then it was very big surprise. I kind of had the grace of being able to go back to school. So I was like already going to be gone from the house. I knew that, you know, it wasn't really that different for me. It was easy for me to disassociate and sort of compartmentalize everything that was going on. You know, I had school to focus on. I was in a different city, you know, in a different culture. My, you know, my younger siblings didn't have that. I feel bad for them, but you know, the reality would hit whenever I would hear from my mom every few days and kind of get an update, but it wasn't as difficult as it would be for say somebody like my siblings who were younger living at home and had to kind of like wake up every day and deal with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hear like what you're saying about it. If how it happened wasn't great, the end result of the split up it was better for everybody. And I think that's yeah. something that you hear a lot with like divorce yeah. and with separation. I've heard so many clients, I've heard family members say the same thing about about it. But it doesn't mean that yeah. it isn't hard. And I I think that like it's very valid to say that during mm-hmm. that time you had distractions, you had kind of a different life that you could you could escape to in some ways, and that's. Yeah part of the coping. And I'm sure that your siblings found that in their own way as well. Yeah, no, it was, don't get me wrong. It was very hard. It was in a way, I also felt guilty for being at school, especially being so close to my younger siblings. I felt like I should be at home. You know, my mom obviously is a wreck. She's not able to, you know, do much. Thank God, actually, as a side note, she was on sabbatical from work. So Mm -hmm. it was like, the perfect time, you know, kind of almost serendipitous that she decided to take that before. So thankfully, you know, she just better on me, better on my siblings that we weren't having to worry about her, you know, meeting her job requirements. She was able to just fully focus on herself. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure that if that hadn't been the case, it would have been a lot harder. But, you know, all in all, I'd say that just the hardest part was that, we were just no longer a family unit. You know, I always kind of assumed that my parents would get a divorce. I just didn't think it would be under these circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's one of those things, like, even if you expect it to happen, it doesn't mean that it's not, it's easy. It's still a high level of grief for like what you used to have or what you expected you Mm -hmm. would have forever. And so it makes sense that it was sad. And actually I feel like it should be said that I have in a way 
my dad and I used to be so, so close. He was the dad that would hear that one of the kids on our street had football practice or tryouts the next day. And he would go knock on the door and offer to throw around the football with them for a few hours to get them ready. Like he wasn't just a great dad to me. He was a great dad to a lot of kids. And then I think he just started to go through his own personal issues. And as a result of that, he completely changed as a person. He, it's not that he didn't have those qualities sometimes. They just weren't 100% of the time because he was, I think, honestly struggling with some severe anxiety and depression. Being a man too, born in the 60s, like he had no idea how to handle those emotions. So the sadness and anxiety that he felt often came out as like irritability, anger, none of these nice qualities. So that happened over many, many years. And that's kind of what I mean when I say that it was a slow burn is Mm -hmm. that it's not like, like I said, it's not like I wave goodbye one morning to the best dad ever. It was like somebody that I'd been losing over the course of many, many years, slowly every single day. So the grief that I felt was still very strong. I think I was just very accustomed to it. And so by the, by the time that we kind of got to this tipping point, it wasn't as much of a shock as it would be, but it's still really, really hurt because now I really did have to say goodbye to this person who deep down, I realized I still kind of was holding on to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think kind of like the, the question that I asked initially about how you kind of coped with that (laughs) is because I, is because I knew that, like, I knew your dad back then as well. And like, that was the person that like, you know, like everything you've described is the person that I knew. And like, I think also what you're saying and the way you're describing the mental health and the different aspects that you're talking about, also something that's not really talked about and something that from what I've heard you talk about today, and also many other times when we've chatted about this is sort of maybe a way that you've been able to empathize with everything that's happened in a way that you've been able to not be okay with it, but be, uh, I guess, kind of understanding of certain aspects of it. Yeah, totally. Like, I think that any part of forgiveness is leveling with somebody and trying to view things from their perspective, because you know, someone can give you an explanation and then say, I'm sorry. But I think that the real way to be able to kind of forgive somebody, which honestly isn't even for them, it's more for you because it doesn't, it's not healthy to hold on to resentment and stuff. So for me personally, I just needed to, yeah, I feel like throughout all of this, one of the things that has like helped me, how I'm able to talk about this today is just that, I don't know he's a person he made like obviously terrible decisions that affected a bunch of people but I'd like to think that if he was in like a healthier state of mind he probably would have had the proper character to you know change how things had played out mm-hmm. yeah I think that's so empathetic and I've literally admired that about you so much every time that you've talked about it and I think it's it's amazing it's really an, an amazing quality. And I agree with what you're saying that it's, it's more for you at the end of the day, as much as he is grateful for it, I'm sure it's also mm-hmm. more about your healing and your yeah. recovery of, of all this. Yeah. And I guess you've mentioned that this is sort of a way that you've been able to reach this better place of being able to talk about it. But 
do you feel like you're at a spot that you feel forgiveness towards him? Because I remember at a, at a certain point in time, it was really not at that. Yeah. Yeah, It was very hard at a certain point in time to picture that. So hard. It's so tiring, honestly. Like if it's not forgiveness, then it's just kind of like just an exhaustion from it all where it's just so hard to stay mad at somebody I found, I find, and I kind of always have. And I know that at the end of the day, this is my dad Mm -hmm. and I still have many years left to live with him. And, you know, I just kind of feel like I do hope that him being away and being able to do his own thing will help him kind of find his way back to the person that I described before. And so that is why I do try to forgive him for certain things. I think overall to say that I forgive him for everything would not be true, but there are certain things that I do empathize with. Like obviously no relationship is perfect. Mm -hmm. Everybody has relationship issues. Is the answer to go and cheat? No, but I do feel like like I said, I always thought that a divorce was coming, um, both amazing people on their own, both actually really great parents, but long story short, I don't fully forgive him, but it's something that I am trying to do because a, I know that it's almost like positive reinforcement. Like I know that it will be good for him. I know that it's kind of like an investment. Like I put in a little bit of time and energy with him every now and then. And I hope that somewhere down the line, like the future me who, you know, is playing around golf with him or whatever, thanks me because that round of golf won't be so awkward. You know, it'll almost be enjoyable. And it's just, my ultimate goal is to get back to the relationship that he and I used to have. And I know that when, you know, somebody has healthy relationships in their life, they're able to thrive in so many other ways. And I guess it also is kind of hard because I obviously am still dependent on my dad, you know, like it's what happens when you have a parent, like how they are feeling in their personal life affects their children. Mm -hmm. So I kind of want to do what I can to a just forgive him for my own health, but also b forgive him for his health because it ultimately will make both of us happier because it's almost like a symbiotic relationship. Like, you know, we both need to be thriving in order for the other thriving too. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's very beautiful and very well said. And I think when you're holding on to like anger and resentment and frustration, like as much as that can feel like it's the right thing for a while, it, it doesn't really lead to anywhere good for yourself or for that other person. And so getting to the spot that you're at and like being able to empathize with certain aspects and being able to, to see why they acted out of hurt or whatever it is that they acted out of. It's a good thing. And it really, you're right. It's not just for him. It's also for you and your health and happiness. And it's not easy what you're doing in the way that you're choosing to approach it. But I think it's a very beautiful and like mature way to do it. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. There's definitely a bunch of things that I like cannot rationalize. <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't rationalize at all. But I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, I just am gonna try to like understand as much of it as I can. 
I also think that's important though, because it's kind of like telling you the stuff that is like really not right for you. And like, that's okay to be mad still about that or like not okay with that stuff. Like yeah, shows yeah, your boundaries, think- shows your values and you're allowed to feel that way. Like, yeah. Forgiveness doesn't mean like accepting of their behaviors. It just means yes, like moving exactly. to a place of, of being okay with each other and wanting the good stuff. I guess one thing that I wanted to sort of ask, I think it's very common with divorce. There's not really like a clear path for parents to be like, okay, should I tell my kids this? Should I not tell my kids? How have you sort of felt that that's gone with you? And how have you sort of dealt with like the, the boundary of being involved in everything that's going on as well as like not wanting to and keeping that distance? It's definitely really hard because at the beginning, everybody is going through this like shock kind of, and you as a family are all, you know, obviously everyone has like unique relationships with their parent, but I think that at the beginning, it's really hard not to be super involved and to be calling, you know, everybody every day, multiple times a day, seeing how it's going, especially like me being away at school and having my younger siblings at home with like my mom I was very concerned and you know my my mom is obviously furious she was very hurt all these different things and so she needed someone to vent to and at the time I was also extremely angry as well so it was kind of just like we would call each other and just kind of, you know, use those calls as an opportunity, just get angry at him. You know, that was good, but also there are the conversations that are stressful. It's like, okay, well, he's moving out. What does that mean? You know, like he's going to have to be paying rent somewhere else. Like, I don't know. I just feel like there are all these different conversations. And after a certain point, it's almost like Pandora's box. Like you want to open it, but you know that you shouldn't because <laughs> it's, mm doesn't hold anything that's good and I kind of realized after a little while that I shouldn't really hear about it and that's honestly really really only something that I've kind of come to in the last year or no maybe like eight months because before that I very much was kind of playing the the mediator between my parents a little bit and that's just kind of I think what happens when you're the oldest and yeah, it was challenging, but I feel like I've been able to draw a line kind of with what I want to know and, you know, what I'm comfortable with. And I think my mom respects that, but yeah, I think at the beginning, it's hard not to want to know everything. And it's a definitely like a unique journey for everybody. You know, one of my siblings, he just kind of checked out from the very start and probably not the most healthy thing but like that's just I guess his way of coping whereas my one of my sisters like she is always very interested in updates you know and personally for me it kind of just stresses me out it's a little bit like I said this whole thing is just exhausting at this point and I feel like you know I'm 24 like I want to focus on myself like I feel like we're in our 20s and I don't want anything or anybody to like take away this opportunity where I rightfully so get to be selfish yeah I'm just kind of at this point I'm trying to just focus on myself and like do what makes me happy and you know maybe one day that is you know doing a little check-in and thinking okay cool like what's going on with the situation um mom have you talked to dad recently oh how'd it go or b it's like oh mom you talked to dad recently okay I don't want to know how it went mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, I think that's so true. I think like at the beginning, it sounds like it's, it's kind of your brain's just trying to understand what's going on. And so it makes sense that you kind of want to hear all the details you want to ask about it because it's like, you're trying to understand like everything's changed or your world is a little like completely different now. And so information is like, kind of seems like the right track, but I can also see how after a long time that can get like extremely exhausting. And it's also being part of your parents' relationship. They had a relationship before you, they have a relationship after you, like they have a separate relationship and yeah, it's difficult to kind of draw those boundaries. I'm sure that so many people listening can relate to that feeling of feeling involved with their parents, whether it is in something like this or just in general, how did you go about setting that boundary and explaining, like, I don't really want to know anymore. I feel like I honestly still am setting that boundary because I don't know. I feel like I made a personal choice a few, like a a little under a year ago just I agreed to see my dad and I honestly wasn't really comfortable with it but we agreed to start doing group therapy just him and I it was really more me agreeing to do group therapy was just kind of more for him I suppose but also kind of in a way to like keep him in line sort of with my mom which and just kind of help like their phone conversations be more cordial because you know he'd be asking like are you telling the kids not to see me you know like have have they mentioned me and she's kind of like I'm not telling them anything like I really don't think you understand the gravity of the situation here um so I agreed to do those things just because I kind of in a way felt like it would make him a little bit more cooperative and also at that point like you really just have no trust in the guy like you really don't know what he could do you know Mm -hmm. he could like drain our bank accounts and fly to the Bahamas like not that I think he ever would but I you know when like your environment has been threatened like mine was that thought becomes like a very rational fear in your head I just thought okay I'll do this group therapy with him because if this you know unrealistic scenario that I fooled myself into believing may come maybe he'll feel a little guilty (laughs) because we've just done this group therapy Um, but it was actually really good. I feel like I learned a lot about him and, you know, I learned so many things about his childhood, which I had no idea really happened. Um, not that they were extremely devastating or like bone, bone chilling or anything like that, but they were, it, he, he himself has some childhood trauma. And I like to say that childhood trauma is the gift that just keeps on giving. Because you have it, you give it to your kids. And my goal is to just be as self-aware as possible and not give anything to my kids, which I don't think any parent really can't do. But yeah, I feel like therapy was good because we, or I got to learn a lot about him. And I, like I mentioned before, I don't really think you can truly forgive somebody for something if you don't also truly understand what they have gone through and what has led them to making the decisions that have hurt you because then they can really apologize for what they've done because both of you have been given the floor to talk about your feelings in in a really honest way and you can both leave that conversation with full certainty that each party you know 
really understands how the other one is feeling. And then only after that was I really able to feel satisfied with his apology about some things. Mm. That's really wise. I think that's very underrated. It's like an apology only means as much as, as you can understand, like where it's coming from and what it actually means to the person who's giving it. So I think that's yeah. very smart. And it was, yeah, it was ironic at some points because he'd be telling me this story about what hurt him. And I was like, dad, you, you did that to me too. Yeah. <laughs> like you're talking to me. Like, I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> so something that started off as a favor to your, like to try and help your family dynamic out, to try and help your mom out. Yeah. Ended up sort of helping and in some ways and more ways than you expected. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's still like quite uncomfortable if I see him. It's a big deal whenever I have something scheduled with him. Like if I don't have a good day, sometimes I'll cancel. Yeah. But I think that's important to say, because it's not like you're you're talking from this place of like, I've forgiven everything and we're back to like, just being normal. It's, it's no, yeah. It takes a long time and a lot of work and yeah, difficult. Yeah, there's a lot to forgive, you know, and it's very layered to be honest, like he and I needed therapy before the affair. Yeah. You know? We never did things one-on-one before the affair, you know, now we try and make an effort out of it. Sometimes it is actually fun. Sometimes it's not. <laughs> Cause I'm just kind of fair because I've canceled on them the last three times in a row. And I just kind of almost in a way want to get it over with other times, you know, I am actually kind of looking forward to it, but yeah, I feel like just as a side point of it all, it is quite difficult because I'm the only one of my siblings who has agreed to see him. So I think that also is very difficult. Like, I will have to let my family know when he's coming over so that they aren't like in the kitchen, you know, it's definitely hard in that sense because I don't think either my dad or my family is like super cognizant of the fact that I literally am like in the middle of them. If anybody else is in that position, I empathize with you. It takes a lot. That sounds really, really hard. I think from what you said, like there's so much good stuff because like, I, I think that everybody can work on stuff with their family members. Like no matter what the situation is, I think everyone can relate to like certain things in their lives, hurting them and how difficult it is to have conversations about it and get past it and maybe not even get past it, but acknowledge it. And yeah, I think what you're saying about doing these things and going to therapy and talking about the stuff that was relevant before the affair is like something that everyone can take from this. I also think that what you're saying, yeah, about being in the middle is like, I can imagine how difficult that is. And I guess earlier we were saying you were in the middle sort of between your relationship with your parents, but now it's like, also there's another layer of you kind of feeling in the middle with like being kind of the messenger between the siblings and your dad as well. So that's really hard. How are you kind of Going back to the boundaries question that we started at, how are you kind of managing? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess the short answer is that I'm still making boundaries. I don't know. My boundaries change all the time. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like, honestly, with him, it's like two steps forward, three steps back. It's a very slow process. Like my boundaries change all the time. Often I kind of have to say like, dad, I'm just not up for seeing you two weeks in a row or something like that, you know, or 
my mom will know that I'm seeing him and ask me to pass this along. And I'll have to say, mom, that's your job. It's not mine. Like, I don't want to have that conversation with him. Mm -hmm. You have it with him, please. Or, you know, I will forget to let my siblings know that, you know, that I'm five minutes away from home when he's going to be dropping me off and they will get mad at me because, you know, there was the possibility that one of them could have been walking our dog outside or something like that, you know? So it's definitely like, there's a lot that I have to be aware of in terms of everybody else's feelings when I'm in this position, which I'm okay with. I mean, I understand, but as for the boundaries, like, I think that aside from kind of the basic ones, like saying, mom, you talk to him or dad, like, I'm not comfortable with this. I don't really think I've drawn that many because I still do find myself in situations where I'm apologizing for like things that I don't necessarily feel like I need to. Yeah. I mean, if anything, this conversation, this question has made me realize I need to be more vocal about them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think don't undersell yourself with those boundaries. Like the ones that seem basic, like those are really hard to put up as well. And like, sometimes it is just about like experiencing something that makes you feel uncomfortable and then realizing, okay, here's like where I need to put a boundary up for next time. And so like, it sounds like you're doing it in some ways and in other ways, like it's hard, like boundaries are really, really difficult. It's hard too, because it's not like to set a boundary in some ways can feel like you are being inconsiderate of someone else's feelings because you know I don't I understand why my mom wants me to pass this along or you know it's but and I obviously empathize with that and like I do wish that she didn't have to be put in these situations where she has to have those conversations with him however I would rather not be involved (laughs) in those situations too at the end of the day like 100% and I think like it's a hard thing to do for many reasons primarily what you said about feeling like you're letting someone down or hurting them. It's like we're socialized in this way as well to like to put mm-hmm. other people's feelings and stuff and be nice and be thoughtful instead of thinking about ourselves. But at the end of the day, like you putting these boundaries is going to better your relationship with everyone around you and your yeah. mental health with yourself. So oh, it, it always yeah. is worth it. For sure. And I almost feel like kind of back to your uh, earlier question about how I've sort of distanced myself from being involved in all of it. I feel like one of the reasons why I had to do that is because I was getting slightly resentful towards Mm -hmm. my family because I didn't want to hear about all the crap that was going on. Like I'm trying to forge a life for myself, like figure out who I am, you know, like career career wise, (laughs) like spend time with my friends, you know, do things that make me happy. Like, you know, I only have so many hours in the day. Like I can't fill it with stuff that stresses me out. 100%. I think everyone should take a page out of that book because it's an important one to learn, an important lesson to learn and a good one to learn early on. I guess like you kind of mentioned earlier, like that group therapy ended up being helpful for your relationship. I'm wondering like, and I'm sure that people are wondering, listening, how you kind of coped throughout this whole thing. What are some things that you did for yourself to get past all this or get through all of this? I think therapy is probably one of them. I didn't just see I think the group therapy gave me closure and it gave me a lot of insights into this person whose actions were quite inexplainable prior to everything that I learned. So it gave me understanding and that I think helped me cope a lot. Obviously having an extremely supportive friend group really helped. You know, you guys were all amazing. 
I saw another therapist too. She was really great. I don't know, I guess therapy friends who like in a way, I feel like we're, we've been friends for so long and I can confidently say that we have such a unique group of friends. Like we're all so loyal to each other. We're all so genuine. Like we all honestly are like stand up people. And my siblings are really wonderful for helping me cope. But honestly, other than that, I feel like I didn't cope that well. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm not like, can't be like, oh, I threw myself into school. Like really didn't do that. Um, <laughs> I really think that like, I'm just the type of person who likes to talk about things. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's a good thing. Like, and a great thing that people can take from that is talking mm-hmm. about it. And I agree, of course, that our friends are so beautiful and amazing and supportive. I think that a big reason for that is the vulnerability that people have with each other and the fact that we do rely and go to each other in these difficult situations. So it's made us become really great listeners and become good supporters because that's kind of been the dynamic that's set up in our group. And I think that's something yeah. that people can replicate. Yeah, for sure. I think that also is just one of the great things about, you know, being part of this younger generation. What time period would I want to live in? Probably this one, because we are so open about mental health. You know, I can go to any one of our friends and honestly, like probably some random chick I meet, I meet at the bar. <laughs> I can tell her my life story and we'd be best friends by the end of the night because yeah. Everyone is so receptive and so willing to be vulnerable and so understanding. I even, you know, I see that even in my siblings, younger friends, or sorry, my younger siblings, friends, like they are even more so, they are so open-minded about everything. And I just think that that is so key being able to process all this. Love that. If you were to talk to someone who's kind of going through a similar thing right now, whether it's cheating, divorce, anything going through something with their family, is there something that you would want to like say to them? I think there's a lot. I think that one of the things that I found really challenging was that you feel like, yeah, you have this big secret that you can't really talk about. Like, oh my God, I remember once my parents just like laying into each other one morning before school. <laughs> they were like, don't tell your friends about this. I was like, I don't even know what to say right now. Like you guys are crazy. Like I can't do this. Like, and you have to go to school and you have to put on a brave face and it is really hard. And and that is something that I know everybody can relate to. But since I guess my episode is about like the family dynamic and trauma and just like dysfunctionality, you know, it happens. It's yeah. So it is really hard to deal with your parents fighting. I will say that. It's really hard not to personally. It's really hard not to worry about your future, your stability, you know, what is going on in each of their heads. You're wondering why they're acting so crazy. And when I was younger, I really didn't like have the vocabulary or the understanding of mental health to really like be able to um, just like help myself understand what was going on. Didn't have any resources or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so for anybody who's going through that, um, just know that I guarantee you, everybody you meet is going through it. It's really hard. Just don't feel alone, honestly. Yeah. Is what I'm to say. And while I don't really have any advice, your feelings are valid. And uh, that's the best. You really need to hear that you're allowed to feel upset because it's really crappy. Yeah. But draw your boundaries. That is something that I've definitely felt like has really helped me through this because obviously at the beginning, you're so mad at, you know, one parent, both parents, whatever, 
um, and you want to know everything and that 100% is a part of the healing process like you do need to have all the details you do need to know everything so that you can make informed decisions about like what you want to do you know and you you just like for your own sanity need to know what both your parents are thinking because yeah. they're the ones who've been calling the shots this whole time but honestly after a certain point don't feel guilty stepping back like you're very much allowed to prioritize your own happiness over this like it's so hard when you are kind of thrust from this position in the family of child to you're kind of like promoted to especially as the oldest child to somebody who is a bit more of like an authoritative figure because one of your parents or both your parents just can't make the decisions like they used to it's really hard to not feel guilty when you want to step back like there's this kind of like tremendous sense of loyalty that you have and like responsibility it's probably a better word but at the end of the day like you need to step back that's amazing like it's equally as important as wanting to be involved because either way what's best for your your family is that you are your best self and I guess lastly just don't let this define you you know you're a lot more than this Um, I think that for a really long time if somebody had said you know like tell me three things about yourself or something like that. Like, you know, my sarcastic, like cynical, funny part of my brain would be like, oh, well, you're this, haha. Um, and I've just kind of been able to switch that. And I think that that does kind of come from like drawing those boundaries. And also just, you know, time is starting to heal all wounds. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this doesn't define you. You do not need to feel like, like, for example, I got into a new relationship and I was kind of worried about like, oh, you know, I feel like this is such a big part of me. Like, what do I say? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, just not, it's not actually very important in the grand scheme of things. Like, it's more like, okay, so if you come over for family dinner and you don't see a dad there, that's why. But it's like not actually it's not something that I feel like you need to worry about I don't know not a very streamlined answer but no I love it I love it I think it's like you're showing the healing process and like it sounds like in the mo- in the beginning you were so involved it was so much part of what was going on for you and even like when you were younger before like the divorce before everything like it was part of what was going on in your brain when you were coming to see us when you had to like put a brave face on. And as you've gotten older, gotten a chance to talk about it with friends, with a therapist to just tell your own story and figure it out. You were able to then develop boundaries, have that self-compassion to have the boundaries. Mm -hmm. And then with those boundaries, now you're getting to the point where you can disattach from the story. Yeah. I feel like it's hard to disattach from, but you're Yeah, I feel like you go from this point where you start where you're like, okay, we can't talk about this. Like, I'm not going to ask mom and dad what's going on. Like, I don't know what's going on. Just going to bury this, ignore it. And then you go to this point where like, oh my God, all we can do is talk about it. And I can't help but like think about it all the time. I can't help but just like think, oh my God, this is my life. Like, this Mm -hmm. is everything that I have going on right now has to do with this and then you finally get to a point where it's I guess it's acceptance you get to this point where you are like okay cool this happened to me like 
yeah, it does. It will always have an impact on my life. Like my life has been completely changed because of this, but it's still my life. Like I still wake up every day and I make decisions that are like so much more powerful than my dad's decision or my mom's decision. I love that because it's, yeah. Showing that level of acceptance is like something that's only really fully attainable if you get through the other levels as well. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of nice for someone who's in the beginning stages, maybe where they don't talk about something, or maybe now at their point where they talk about it all the time. It's like, it's knowing that there is another side of having acceptance to it. And doesn't mean that it's not going to influence you, but it does mean that you're going to be more okay with it. And you're not, it's not going to be your only story. Last question. Or do you feel like there's anything else that you want to touch on? No, go ahead. If you wake up in a bad mood, if you're having a bad day, what's something that you do to make yourself feel better? I don't know. I will try and go on a run or I'll go on a walk or play like a good song, make myself a good breakfast that I really enjoy. Sometimes it's really none of those things. Sometimes it's like, I just let myself sit in it. And I'm like, you know what? You deserve to feel this way. Yeah. (laughs) You are allowed to acknowledge that this is a crappy situation or like just allow myself to be in my feels. (laughs) Yeah. I love that so much. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really loved everything that you said. I especially liked the part when you said you have to heal your own kind of stuff so that you don't pass it down. Cause I think that's such an important thing. And like, something that our parents generation maybe didn't have the privilege of knowing. And so when you gain that understanding, it really does change the way that you look at yourself and and the cycle of things. So I love that. Like with this new awareness that society is seeing when it comes to mental health and just like being vulnerable, I hope that with that sort of comes this breaking of that childhood trauma that I explained before, that childhood trauma cycle that I explained before. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, thank you so much. Love you so much. Thank you. Love you too. Bye, everyone. <laughs> All right.